This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. Today, I'm ready to receive the incorruptible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. I'll never be the same again. Come on. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. Your best shout ever. Stay standing as Miss Jody comes to read. First Corinthians 6, beginning at verse 9. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourself. Those who indulge in sexual sin or worship idols or commit adultery or have male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or are abusive or cheat people. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. You say, food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. This is true, but someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares for our bodies. And God will raise us from the dead by his power, just as he raised our Lord from the dead. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually part of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And you don't realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her. For the scriptures say, the two are united into one. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Amen. Give God a hand for the reading of the word. You may be seated. Thank you so much. Thank you for being part of our house today. Uh, in the middle of a teaching called Truths of a Skeptic, I asked Ryan and all the students to hang in. So would you give a hand to all our students that hung out with us today? Thank you. Uh, we're, we're in Truths of a Skeptic. And I've been trying to take, um, if I can explain it briefly, I won't rehearse it too far. But I've been trying to find the things in the Bible. I grew up as a Christian in a Christian home, trying to find the things in the Bible that as I grew up and would read would become very skeptical, like that can't be true. There's no way this is true. Uh -uh. And then over my life, I've come to work them out. Because I had to land on this. I had to land on either the Bible is true or it's not true. If it's not true, let's just ditch it, go do our thing. But if it is true and it becomes the, the legacy of the mind of heaven, 
then there are things that I have to deal with, and so I'm trying to deal with those. And uh, I don't know if it's packed out today because it's what I'm going to teach, or you just decided to show up because you needed to hear it. But today I'm going to talk about homosexuality, lesbianism, LGBTQ, and try to do it in a way that uh, becomes very meaningful to you. Uh, I feel like in my own walk with God, I could debate it really well. I feel if you put me on a stage and ask me to debate the Christian side of the LBGTQ movement, I feel like I could do it pretty well and hold my own. Although I, I want to be smart enough that this is not a debate because I don't have anybody up here to throw stuff back at me. So I'm going to try to be very fair. I'm going to be fair to give it to you uh, as, uh, as clear as I can, to make as much sense of it as I can, because we, we need to discuss it, uh, and we need to, to deal with the truth. And I'll say it for this reason. In 1970, I really, you know... Never even talked about gays or homosexuals in the 80s. I think maybe one guy in my high school, uh, maybe, I don't know. I, I assume looking back, he probably was. Today, 2021, it's everywhere. Uh, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, my child was coming home in middle school talking about kids being pansexual, bisexual, homosexual. Now they're in high school, and it's just kind of everywhere. Every sexual identity, sexual genders, uh, if you want to be gay, be gay. You want to be pan, be pan. You want to be bi, be bi. Uh, I, to be fair, have several close friends that are gay, uh, lesbian. They're married. Uh, the two guys are married, and uh, two girls are married. I also have a close friend of mine whose daughter is a lesbian. And so I feel like... Over the years, through people I know personally, friends I've had personally, friends I still have today that have chosen a lifestyle of same-sex uh, relationship, I feel like I've been very generous to uh, share with them how I feel, you know, where I feel, and they tell me where they feel, and we're still good to be friends and move on with life. So I'm going to try to be very fair to that. However, uh, it's probably going to sting today. So I just say, shoe fits, let it sting dust yourself off, come back later, and we'll, we'll heal you up. But we need to talk about it. So let's just uh, let's dive in straight into the water, and we're going in the deep end of the pool. Is that okay? So we're going we're gonna to dive, dive the deep end of the pool, and I hope it blesses you. All right, I highlighted the word homosexuality just to make it real awkward so it really sticks out. So if you're gay, if you're here today and you're gay, I want you to feel real awkward right now. So I highlighted it which is what we Christians do. We, we highlight the one sin that really ticks us off to make you feel bad. Now, here's what I want to be smart enough to know. Probably in this room, among our students, among you, you either work with someone who is uh, trans, bi, homosexual. I'm sure all the students are going to know friends that are. Some of them may even struggle with it themselves. Let's not be, you know... Naive about that, probably in an age group of this amount of students, there are students that are struggling with it themselves, uh, struggling to be pan, bi, gay. So we can't just put our head in the sand and go, this doesn't exist and the church should never talk about it. So we're just going to dive in the deep end and talk about it. So let's read it. This is what Miss Jody read. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourself. Those who indulge in sexual sin, worship idols, commit adultery, or male prostitutes, or highlighted it for you so you could really see it, 
practice homosexuality or thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheap people. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Here is the thought for the day. Here it comes. Thought for the day. Why would God in his eternal thought process remotely care about my sexual identity and preferences? If you're a boy, why does God care if you like a boy or not? Isn't it about love? If you're a girl and you're in love with a girl, why does that matter? As long as I love them, they love me, I love them, we're not hurting anybody. It's all about love anyway. Jesus is love. God is love. Let's love everybody. That is a great argument. I can't fight that argument. I'd love to fight the argument, but here's what we know. We cannot fight the argument of homosexuality and lesbianism in same-sex relationships from a physical and emotional platform. Because here's, here's what I know. We're physical beings and emotional beings, and we can be attracted to the same sex, physically and emotionally. And if you just ask me as a human, so human being Mark Evans, I don't have a problem if a guy likes a guy or a girl likes a girl. I get it. We're humans. We're physical beings. We get attracted to something. Now, some people say, well, uh, it's a father that's missing, or they got abused, or they got molested, or there's all... We could, I don't have time to even go into all the stats on why someone may choose. And then we've got, are you born that way? Do you choose it? I'll try to talk about some of that. But, but to be smart enough to know that in the mix of all of the sexual identities that are out there and everything that's floating around, it does bear the question, why does God even care if I love them? Because isn't love the highest expression of humanity? And the, and the answer is no, but, it, but we tell you it is. We tell you that the highest expression of all humanity is to love one another. Even Jesus will say, love your neighbor as yourself, love God. There's the two greatest commandments. And they are as far as the commandments that God requires. They're the greatest. But as the true expression of God, God love is not the highest expression of God. It is an expression of God. But if we ask, why does God care if, if I choose to like Bob or Sally chooses to like Sarah, what does it matter as long as we're not hurting each other because we love each other? And then you and I are going to say, that is true. Uh, the two friends that are married that I know, they love each other genuinely. Now, I can go all Pentecostal and go, well, it isn't genuine love. It's fake love. It's demonic love. But the reality is they emotionally love each other. And if I tell them to break up, it's going to feel as if they've been divorced. They actually have rings together. They've had a service together. They love each other. And so as a Christian, we just can't look at a homosexual and go, y'all should just split up. It's wrong because that's really false love. It's not. It's deceived love. So let's just stay on a human thinking, sex, uh, emotions, and physicality. It's pretty easy to go, I understand why same sexes can get attracted. However... We're different than just talking emotional and sexual and physical attraction when we talk about God. Because we have to pull something else in. Let's read the scripture again a little different because this time I highlighted everybody. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will never inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin. So that's anybody in porn. Uh, that's masturbations, that's sleeping with your girlfriend, that's uh, hooking up with a one-night stand or a ten-night stand or looking at Instagram yoga pictures with girls in skimpy... Any sexual sin. 
Or those who worship idols. That's none of us. We don't do idol worship here in America. Well, we do. It's called Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter. But let's just leave that alone. <laughs> or those who commit adultery. That's me. That's why I put it in blue. It's my favorite color. <laughs> I've committed adultery. I'm ashamed of it. I've repented of it. But I, I'm in the category now. I highlighted myself. Male prostitutes. I wanted to be one in high school. <laughs> But none of the girls thought I was hot enough. <laughs> I think some of y'all have some friends that are probably that. Or, and I downplayed practice homosexuality because that's what church people like to talk about. Or thieves. Ever stolen anything? Ever took a piece of candy that wasn't yours? Ever grabbed a pen from the office complex that wasn't yours? Took it home because you thought you needed it? Thieves. Or greedy people. Y'all got quiet. <laughs> <laughs> or drunkards, come on somebody. <laughs> or abusive or cheat people. Now here's the weird, I just want to show you how religious Christians are. If you're gay and you a boy that hooks up with a boy or a chick that hooks up with a chick, you can come to this church, but you ain't serving in the nursery because you might get something on those kids. And you're not going to serve with the children. Oh, but by the way, if you're a greedy, drunk abuser, as long as you can play guitar good, we'll let you play. We'll let you on the praise team. You can be fat, a glutton, a gossip. You can cheat people. Matter of fact, cheat on your taxes, doesn't matter. As long as you come here and tithe, you can be on stage with us. You see, we, as religious people, we pick and choose what we like. So we'll tell a gay person, you can't serve, you can't be in leadership, but the guy that talks trash to his wife is an elder. The guy that's abusive to his children is leading worship. But nobody wants to talk about the reality of this stuff. We just want to hold on to things that irritate us because that's the way mama raised me. I'll cheat on my taxes, but I'd never be a homo. I mean, I might talk some trash to my wife, but there's no way I'd ever sleep with another man. Because that's the way religion does us. Religion gives yourself a lot of grace and everybody else none. Especially if you don't like what they're in. So he says this just in a nice way like only Paul could do. None of you will inherit the kingdom of God. So as we start this journey talking about gays, lesbians, trans, bi's, whatever we are, and all the genders we get, if, if we only, as I said a moment ago, deal with it from an emotional, physical level, it never makes sense. If I only deal with it from a love basis, it never makes sense because there's no way us straights will ever convince a person who's not straight that they don't love each other because they will tell you, I love them. But if, if love is not the highest expression of God, then what would be? Because some of the argument I get is Jesus loves us and as long as we love because love and then love kind of just trumps everything. Well, here's the thought of the day. Why would God in his eternal thought process remotely care about any of these deviant human behaviors? Why does God care if you're greedy? 
I mean, I, maybe I could understand why he cares if you're a homosexual, but why does he care if you're greedy? Why does he care if you cheat people? I mean, you got to get to the top of the ladder somehow. Why does he care if you're abusive? Why does he care if you're greedy? Why does he care if you're a gossip? Why does he care if you're a glutton? Why does God even remotely care about us little deviant humans? And so once we begin to... Here's, here's my take today. Maybe the reason we're so kind of all over the place with this LGBTQ, like some Christians are like, yeah, man, it's all good. God loves all. And there's other segments of Christianity that's like, no way. Um, I know the Methodist church has voted that they'll now ordain uh, lesbians and homosexuals and same-sex couples in the church. So there are churches of people that have moved more toward, we would call it the left, more toward embracing same-sex. My cousin is in the Episcopal Church, and in there he's a priest, and in, in, in his priesthood there, uh, they are gay-affirming. They, they allow anybody in. They teach classes on it. They can be in leadership. So we need to be smart enough to know that this topic, even among Christian people, is widely different among our opinions. Those that are for, those that are against, and those in the middle, like, I don't have a clue. I don't, I don't really know. I just kind of leave it alone because it's such a hot topic. I don't want to get in trouble. So I want to try to do it in a, in a very fair, balanced way for you to understand where I'm coming from and what I've worked out in my own self, and then to be fair here. You don't have to believe like me. If you believe it, great. If you don't, great. I hope, though, at the end, I've given you enough information that you could, if you needed to, debate it with somebody Uh, in a way that could maybe show them why God does care. So what I want to talk about today is why does God care about this stuff? Let's start here. You remember I said the overriding principle that we have to look at is between my logic and God's logic. Anytime I try to address a humanity issue from my logic, I'm going to be all over the place. Because our logic shifts and changes with culture. So human logic will always shift. And why is it shifting? It's always trying to find an equilibrium of what is acceptable. Always. So wherever our humanity is, it's always going to try to equalize itself into a very palatable playing field where everybody's happy. That's why we gravitate toward groups because if this level playing field's not with mine, then I level in my group because... All of our groups are leveling the playing field. So anytime I want to deal with life only from human logic, here's what we'll end up with. Groups of people who widely disagree, who get into their own camps of belief, because that's human logic. But if we want to try to address the sexuality, deviant behaviors of greed and all the things we do, We've got to start with God's logic and how He sees it and values it and not how I value it. Because when I look at His logic, here's what's weird about His. His doesn't change with culture. He could, it's going to sound rude, He could care less what you think. When He says it, it is. And it's not tossed up for debate. So to to understand what we want to talk about, 
I want to just stay away from our logic because there's just thousands of studies of what we think about our sexual identities. Um, but, but this is a thought as we get into it. Have you ever noticed that anytime humans use their logic, things get more muddy? Because everything has to change. Like God's logic, ah, there's a male and a female. Human logic, there's 69 genders now. It's like calculus. I'm like, oh, wait. I don't know how many genders there are. I was okay with maybe three, but six. I just read a report, 69 genders. Oh, Lord God. Right? Well, that's man's logic. We took two, turned it into 69 of them, and now we're all just trying to figure out what we are. Zis, zis, zizu, zis, 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 miss, zis, whatever they are, and we all just want to be called that. That's human logic. It's walking down a campus going, I don't even know what to call people. That's because human logic has gotten in, and it's confusing. God's logic, however, is very simple. Let's start with his logic. Logic, one, has nothing to do with gay people and everything to do with God. Point one, if you want to argue on deviant behaviors of humans, you must start with God is absolutely holy. And I use the word absolute because it's not up for debate. It is an absolute problem with this generation, younger. We have no absolutes today. Everything is whatever you want it to be, Jeff. It is. If it's true to you, it's true to you. Be your own truth. However, to show you how awesome absolute holiness is, everybody in the room truly does believe in absolutes. As long as they don't apply to me, unless they're good for me. If the absolute is not good for me, I don't want to talk about it. If it is good for me, I want to pass the test. Now, God in His Godness gave us a way so that without the Bible, just leave it off, because there was no Bible at this time. Without the Bible, God had to put a way into humanity that you would understand absolutes. Because we had no Bible to go to. We just have His character. How does God in His character show His absolute? Well, here's one way logically today is mathematics. Mathematics is an absolute calculation that leaves hardly any room for a deviant variance. Um, if it needs to be 8.6 centimeters, then 8.6 centimeters, what it, here's what I mean by that, absolute truth. In 1970, when I was in school, 2 plus 2 equaled what? Okay. The whole room just said four. I didn't even try to trick you. You just like four. It's four. Anybody here believe it's five? Could I see hands? Any five? We had a one five over here. So everybody in the room, other than the one, believes that two plus two is what? Because somebody told you it was four. You took a test and passed the test because it was four. And you can literally mathematically count out one, two, three, four. Two plus two is four. It's 2021 today. What is two plus two? Yeah, right. Whatever you want it to be. It's four. If it's whatever you want it to be, you're flunking the test. So what do we do? We either change the test. We either change how we grade the test. But two plus two is still four. Now, the problem is God gave math as a way without the word to know that absolutes are true to us. They transcend generations. 
However, when we talk about sexuality and things like that, not quite so absolute because from 1970 to 2020, how many of you say sexuality and gender things have shifted enormously? And they're no longer. So God sets it up, I'm absolutely holy. So to define homosexuality and how God feels, we're not going to Leviticus, which is the typical. Uh, we're not going to go to Romans, which is the typical. We're going to go to the book of Genesis, chapter 6. Open your Bible if you want. I'll put the scriptures up. Let's start with thought number one. To understand why sexual deviant behavior or any behavior would matter to God, first point, God is absolutely holy. Here's the story of Noah and the ark. It's weird. The Lord God observed the extent of human wickedness. So even before 2021, God in His godness, before you ever got here, was checking up on us humans. And He's watching our behavior. So even before the flood of Noah, God cared about the behavior of humans. And He saw that everything they thought and imagined was what? consistently and totally evil. Here's what's really weird. God is so holy that He's looking into your thought life for holiness. He, he looked into their thoughts. He looked into their imagination. You see, we tell you that God is looking for your actions. Oh, you did something bad. We go back to this point and God said, I'm not just looking at your actions. I'm literally looking into your thought life. And your thought life, watch, bottom words, breaks my heart. What you think about breaks my heart. Nothing about sexuality here. Nothing about greed here. Nothing about abuse here. Just the thought life of humans breaks God's heart. Why? Why would God remotely care about your thought life? Because He's holy. He's absolutely holy. He's so holy that even your thoughts break His heart. We think, oh, I would never sleep with someone of the same sex. We're like, yeah, you're thinking about the action. Go deeper than the action into the thought world. This never even expressed itself into your words. It's never expressed itself into your hands. It's just a random thought rolling around in your head. That breaks God's heart. That is how holy God is. It's so foreign to us, the holiness of God. Next verse. So the Lord said this, I will wipe this human race I've created from the face of the earth. Yes, I'll destroy everything. I will destroy all the people. I will destroy the large animals, the small animals that scurry on the ground, even the birds. I'm sorry I even made them. This, this shows you how holy God is. Kind of when we teach, you know, Genesis, we're like, oh, God saved the animals, the two by two and the seven by seven and the... Here, here's the deal. God is so holy, He had to kill the birds and the animals. Not just the humans. He's so holy, He has to punish the animals. How could you be so holy you have to kill a Labrador Retriever? you got to be kidding me. Because our brain can't even fathom that level of holiness. Our brain can fathom killing people, but killing a parakeet? Come on, he's not that holy, is he? He's not so holy he would kill a macaw. He's not so holy he would kill a pretty little penguin, would he? 
Surely God wouldn't kill a guinea pig. Oh, a little gerbil and a hamster. Surely God wouldn't kill a beagle, the most loyal of dogs. But see, when you view God from man's logic, we will kill mean people and we'll leave good people around. And God says, you've missed it. I'm so holy, I look into your thought life and your thought life judges you and I'm going to kill all of you. I wish I would have never made you. You break my heart and I'm so holy, I'm going to kill all the animals, I'm going to kill all the birds, I'm going to annihilate you off the earth and I just blooming wish I never made you and I'm sorry that I ever made you. And yet we're over here, oh God just loves us all. He's just so in love with us. And you read this and go, Really? Because anytime you can downplay his holiness, you get away with a lot. If I can remove the holiness of God and only talk about the love of God, I get away with a lot. A lot of animals live. A lot of good people make it. But if I talk about holiness, everybody dies, which is mind-blowing. Next thought, here's when it gets really weird. To define how holy God is, because he has to. We've just showed you he's so holy he had to kill the animals. But he's unfair if he's holy but doesn't let us know how to define that. Like how do we know, how holy is he? Like really? Because in our, our mind up here we cannot fathom it. So God gives us a story about a boat. It's called Noah's Ark. So I'm going to use Noah's Ark to fight the fight of why God cares about sexual deviant or character behavior looking at the ark so this is Genesis chapter 6 so before we even get to Leviticus we got to back up in the Genesis to learn about God's holiness verse 14 God says build a boat now modern-day Christianity eliminates the rest of the passage and just focuses on the big boat just build a boat man how big of a boat oh I don't know just a big one Spilled a big boat. And stop and never keep reading because the next phrases begin to clarify the holiness of God. Because it's not just about build a big boat and he leaves it up to you to define how big the boat is and what the boat should look like. God says, build a big boat. Oh, and by the way, in my holiness, I'm about to defi define the parameters of what that will look like. So he says, oh, by the way, the boat will start this way. You will use gopher wood. What? Hey, God, listen. Look, dude, it's a boat. Boat floats. Why can't I use pine? There's a lot more pine than gopher. Could I just use pine? I mean, you know, if you really want to argue this, pine does float. Matter of fact, any tree floats. Oak floats, maple floats, pine trees float. Could I use pine? Because pines are plentiful in Georgia. Gopher, I've never even heard of that. What is a gopher tree? Anyway, help a brother. So what we do by nature is... We want to come up with another system of wood to define His holiness. In other words, I don't mind building a boat, but I want to do it my way. I want to float my life my way. And God says, no, you're going to use gopher wood. It's not up for debate. I didn't ask you to use pine trees. I didn't say oak. I didn't say maple. I didn't say poplar. I said gopher wood. And then he comes in and says, now here's what you're going to do. You're going to make it 450 long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high with an 18-inch door in the top. Are we good with that? Elijah, you good with that? Because that's how it's going to be. Because if you're going to live, you're going to build it this way. 
I don't want your opinions. I don't want to know what you think. I don't want you going, now, 450 is kind of big. That's like two, two and a half football fields, God. That's big for eight people. And if he left it up to all of you, some of you would build a canoe. Some of you would build a yacht. Some of you would just have gorgeous things, and the others of you just be barely paddling. But your, your thought would be, as long as we're floating, we're good. Because modern Christianity has removed the holiness of God and all that matters is a boat that floats, man. We don't want to talk about the dimensions of God. We don't want to talk about the dimensions of His holiness. We want it wide open. We want to bring as many people into this big boat as we can. This is why God sets up a holiness by defining parameters of what life will look like. And I'm not coming back until it's done just like I told you to do it. I don't want 448 feet. I don't want 72 feet. I want it to be identical to what I told you to do. And if you'll do what I told you to do in my holiness, you will live. And it's going to take you 100 years to do it, Noah, so I'll be back in 100 years. And, and we're left by the story that there was no debating this. This is just the holiness of God showing up. It's the plan of God. It's not to be discussed. And yet in our Christianity, we kind of want to barter with God. Like, I mean, I know 450, but come on. I mean, I'm 442, I'm eight feet away. What's eight feet matter? What, what, what does 42 feet wide matter? What does it matter, God? I'm at least trying, aren't I? And this is the next verse. So Noah did what? Everything exactly. So what we know about the holiness of God is it is exact, it's measurable, and it's not up for discussion. This is long before there's any rules about tattoos and bacon and shrimp and blood in your meat and don't shave your beard and don't sleep with boys. Long before any of that. God establishes a pattern of His Godness that whatever I measure is true. It's not up for discussion. Whatever I say, I say. And I just expect you to obey it. And if you obey it and do it exactly, you'll live. That's kind of what He says in this story. Again, we, we haven't had to deal with homosexuals yet. We haven't had to deal with all the laws of Leviticus yet. We're just kind of learning about this God that made humans and his weirdness of a character. Here's the next thought. If you miss the boat, you die. That's just weird. Like, I thought God loved me so much that we would all get on the boat. Well, no. Not everybody's going to get on the boat. Well, now, God, does everybody have to get on the boat to live, or could we make our own boats? And God's like, no, you got to get on this boat to live. You can't make your own. I mean, I guess you could float on a log for a while, but, you know, everything's going to be dead. You'll have no food, but I guess you could float it out. No, he establishes a pattern that if you miss the boat, you die. Here's the scripture. Everything that breathed and lived on the land died. God wiped everything out off the earth. People, why? Because they're not holy. Livestock, why? Because he's holy. Small animals, why? Because he's holy. And even the birds, all of them were destroyed. Why? Because he's so holy. I did make a boat. I did, I did get it to specs. And those that got on it, next one is this. If you get on the boat, you live. 
So the first story of the Bible that really defines God's character outside of Adam and Eve is a story about God measuring something and if you do His measurements, you live and if you break His measurements, you die. It's why Jesus will say you either, when you come, you come the narrow way because the wide way is, well, toward destruction. In other words, I am the way. There is no other way. Like it sounds so narrow-minded, but God, even before Jesus came, God is already establishing that I define the boat, I define the parameters, because I am holy, and if you'll do it exactly like I tell you to do it, you will live. If you don't, you will die. It's that simple. It's not up for discussion. I don't want your logic on it. I don't want your understanding. I don't need your brilliance. I don't need you to tell me what you all think or what kind of wood you want to use or how you think a bigger boat could get more people. Obey me and build it by my rules, which is mean. But God is teaching something. I'll tell you what he's going to teach us in a minute. But he's teaching us something about himself. And here's what it is. Get on the boat, you'll live. Here's the scripture. The only people who survived were Noah and those who got in the boat. I don't know. I mean, I wish I knew in the story how many people floated on sticks and trees and how long they floated on a tree. I mean, they were, they were in the water over a year, so I, I would imagine it would be kind of hard to hold on to a log over a year. Or even live in a small boat with, because there's no food. You really wouldn't be that prepared. So what God shows me is even on our best day, if we don't do life the way God tells us to do it, we still won't be successful. Because humans will definitely try, but we won't be successful. Why? Because we didn't measure it like Him. Here's the next thought. Now... Once God begins to define how holy He is by annihilating the whole planet and leaving a boat of 450 by 70 by 75 by 45 as a symbol, here's the problem. The problem is once the boat crashes on Mount Ararat and everybody exits off the boat, the boat is unusable now. I can't keep using the boat as my symbol of absolute holiness. Everybody gets off the boat and then they scatter and everybody goes their separate ways. They end up at the Tower of Babel. Nobody's worshiping the boat. They're all like, peace out from the boat, man. I was on that thing for a year. I'm gone. And so they leave the object lesson of God's absolute holiness and they begin to do what they do. They go out, they build this huge thing called the Tower of Babel. So God again has to show up and this time rather than a boat, God's law becomes the boat. And God, book of Exodus, book of Deuteronomy, book of Leviticus, God crafts laws that set the parameter now of His holiness. His law becomes His holiness, not the boat. The boat's done and gone with, but now the measurements are the law. I write it out for you. I put it on stones. I download it to Moses. I tell him everything you humans are ought to do. 
and now my law, the Old Testament law, where all these things, don't get a tattoo, don't eat, don't eat uh, pork, don't eat shrimp, don't eat a lobster, don't cut your beard. All those things now become the parameters of holiness now. Now those things are what keep us in line. They, they separate us from the rest of the world and what they look like and put me in a camp called God's people. And God's people become the new boat with the new law. Here's Deuteronomy. Moses will write, and now Israel, listen carefully to these decrees and regulations. I'm about to teach you, obey them so you may live. So here it comes. Same thing as on the ark. Now here's what he says. So you may enter and occupy the land that I gave you. Verse 2. Don't add to it or subtract. In other words, just like my boat was 450 by 45 by 75, don't add to this and don't subtract. Don't pick out the scriptures you like or the commands you like and leave others off. You either take them all or you take none of them. This is the way it's going to be. And he writes this out. And then he says this as only a parent could. Just obey. Just obey him. Anybody ever had a kid? Just obey. Well, I don't want to go to my room. Shut up and obey. Well, that's kind of God's way of just obey. I don't want your opinions. I don't want you to take out what you need to take out. I'm going to write them down clearly. I'm going to spell it out. You'll know how holy I am when I tell you what not to do. I'm going to, I'm going to lay it out for you. Now, please just obey. So let's read some of them. Let's go to Leviticus chapter 18, if you don't mind. I'm just going to read some of these laws. They're fun. Would you put a black background up there so it's easier to read? Okay, here's Leviticus. This is the book everybody loves to go to talk about gay people. You must obey all my regulations and be careful to obey my decree, for I'm the Lord your God. Okay, good, got it. If you obey my decrees and regulations, you'll find life. Okay, got it. Still true to his nature. I am the Lord. Verse 7. Let's just run it. This is where it gets interesting. Do not violate your father by having sexual relations with your mother. Jesus. God help us. She's your mother. I hope you've never wanted to have sex with your mother. But God felt like he needed to talk about it. I've never met anybody yet that said, I just want to have sex with my mother. But obviously God said, there's going to be a few fellows out there. I need to go ahead and include them. Do not have, next one. Do not have sexual relations with any of your father's wives. That violates your father. Don't have sexual relations with your sister, unless you live in Alabama, or half-sister. <laughs> like God's already thinking about Alabama, right? Like, man, don't sleep with your sister, bro. Don't have sex with your granddaughter because she's your son's daughter and your daughter's daughter. This would violate yourself. Don't have sexual relations with your stepsister, the daughter of your father's wife. She's your sister. Don't have sexual relations with your father's sister, for she's your father's close relative. Don't have sexual relations with your mother's sister. This brother's really wanting to hook up with anybody. For she's your mother's close relative. Don't violate your uncle, your father's brother, by having sexual relations with his wife. She's your aunt. Don't have sexual relations with your daughter-in-law. She's your son's wife. You must not have sexual relations with her. Don't have sexual relations with your brother's wife. This would violate your brother. Don't have sexual relations with both a woman and her daughter. And do not take her granddaughter, whether her son's daughter or her daughter's daughter, and have sexual relations with her. They're close relatives, and this would be a wicked act. 
while your wife is living, don't marry her sister. Yeah, she'll kill you. And have, se and have sex with her sister. They would start fighting. Don't have sexual relations with a woman during her period of menstrual impurity. Don't defile yourself by having sexual intercourse with your neighbor's wife, especially if he has a gun. Don't permit any of your children to be offered as a sacrifice to Malek. You must not bring shame on the name of your Lord. I am the Lord. Don't practice. Oh, there it is. Finally. We can talk about gay people now. After we've slept with our mother, our aunt, our brother, our stepsister, our cousin, our aunt, our grandmother, our granddaughter. Oh, homosexuals. Now we can talk about them. That's how weird we are as Christians. Don't practice homosexuality, having sex with another man as with a woman. It's a detestable sin. A man must not defile himself by having a sex with an animal. A woman must not offer herself to a male animal to have intercourse with it. This is a perverse act. And don't defile yourself in any of these ways. You see, it's not that in 2021 we're suddenly perverted. It's like, wow, 2021, most perverted society ever. You believe we're out there talking about gays and trans? This is like thousands of years ago. And God's like, hey, you need to write this down, Moses. He's like, yeah, I'm ready, God. Hey, hey let's start with don't sleep with your mother. <laughs> what? Just write it down. Don't sleep with your mother. Really? Don't, who, who would do that? Just write it. Okay, don't sleep with your mother. Write down also don't sleep with your aunt. Ugh, my aunt. Ugh. And don't sleep with your sister. God, why would I sleep? Or your half-sister. Or your stepsister. you got to be kidding me. God. Or your uncle. Can you imagine as, as Moses is writing this, he's probably thinking, what kind of dumb people is God writing to? <laughs> like, don't have sex with it. And then he gets down to don't have sex with an animal. Oh, okay, God, you're kidding me, right? Don't have sex with an animal. So obviously, God is letting us know that our human logic will dream up such stuff that we will just have a field day with sex and never be according to his logic. So let's just don't pick on homosexuals. Let's just go, there's something about sex that offends God's holiness if it's not done right. All right, that we, could, we could at least land on that. Let's go to Leviticus 19. I would encourage all parents to grab some coffee and popcorn. Not just read this as a family. It's awesome. Some of the best reading ever. Let's talk about sex with your aunt. All right, Pastor Mark said so. All right, this is great reading, right? Gotta love Leviticus. So let's, let's just talk about the real argument because as soon as we talk about homosexuality and lesbianism and gays, we always have to talk about these verses. Do not eat meat that has been drained of blood and don't practice fortune telling. So that means those of you that eat raw steak, you like your steaks rare, you're guilty. Next verse. Don't trim the hair off the side of your temples or trim your beard. So you men that don't have beards, you're going to hell. <laughs> and you men that don't have long beards, you're going to hell too. My dad's always said, I don't like beards. Dad, you need to read this again. Might help you. Might be why you're bald-headed. <laughs> it's breaking the law. Next verse. Don't cut your bodies for the dead. Oh, Jesus, my whole family's going to hell. And do not mark your skin with tattoos. Why does God care about ta blooming tattoos? I mean, I mean, don't have sex with your aunt. Got it. Not going to do it. Don't, hey, don't get a tattoo. What? Like, those aren't even in the same category, are they? Like, a tattoo and eating raw meat is in the same category as sleeping with my uncle. 
You gotta be kidding me. Don't eat bacon, don't sleep with your uncle. Same thing, right? That's how weird it is. But when you look at it in your logic, to sleep with my uncle is by far worse than going to get a tat. Everybody in here got a tat going to hell, but you probably wouldn't sleep with your uncle. I mean, that's, that's religion. So we've got to answer it. Skin tattoos, because that's what we fight with. Oh, you don't want me to sleep with my boyfriend? Well, how about you get a tattoo? So natural human logic, it doesn't even make sense. It's why? Because we're trying to define it with logic, but when we define it in holiness, things start making a little better sense. Because God would not want them to get a tattoo because if they got a tattoo, they would be marked as the other nations that didn't know God and it would kind of not look like they belonged to God. And so His holiness is compromised. But let's have more fun. You want to? Let's go back to our teaching. You're going to love these. If a man, this is still Leviticus, the funnest book of the Bible. If a man practices homosexuality, having sex with another man as a woman... Both men have committed a detestable act, and I just love the kindness of God. Put them to death because they're guilty of a capital offense. Don't you love God? Kill the homosexuals. That's God for you. Let's just let it soak in. Because if we really preach this too much, YouTube's going to ban my video, and I'm going to be a homophobe. We won't even be able to share the video. It's going to get tagged that I said kill. I didn't say kill them. God said kill him. God said if you see a man sleep with another man, kill him. It gets real quiet in here on this one. First service is if they started leaving. <laughs> why, why does God say kill the homosexuals? Right? It preaches well, especially if you really want to get people amped up. God says kill all the homos. Kill them all. They're detestable and he hates them. And <gasps> yeah, he saith the Lord. So let's look at the next verse since we want to kill all the homos. Anyone who dishonors his father and mother must be put to death. You're guilty too. So if you want to hold on to killing the gay people and you've ever disobeyed your mom and dad, line up, we're killing you too. Why would God kill a kid that tells his mother no? I can understand him taking out a man that sleeps with a man or a man that sleeps with his uncle, but a kid who goes, Mom, no. I'm going to kill them both. Only a parent can understand this. <laughs> a parent would say, yeah, you kill them. They don't obey, you kill them. I'll go to prison. Kill, I'll kill them, go to prison. <laughs> right? I mean, if you really balance this out, there's a great argument on the homosexual LGBT side that is very valid. And the validity is, don't you dare tell me not to love the woman that I love or the man that I love. When you have tattoos, you eat bacon, you eat shrimp, you cut your hair, you cut your beard, and you disobey your parents. Until you can fix all that, don't tell me who I have a right to sleep with. That's a pretty good argument. I've been backed into a corner with that one. Uh, you're right. I mean, if I'm going to pull out Leviticus, I've got to take it all. That means today when I go to Longhorn, you want shrimp? Oh, God, yes, but no. Oh, I want shrimp, but I don't want to go to hell. Oh, God. Right? I mean, that's how weird the whole book of Leviticus is. So let's just be honest. Maybe what God wants us to know 
is he had to have a way to show us all how holy he is. Now, we understand how holy he is when we talk about dirty stuff. But he's so holy that if you disobey your parent, he'll kill you. That's how holy he is. And I'm sure there's not a young person sitting to my right that would ever feel like you were justified to be put to death because you told your mom you weren't going to clean your room. And we brought you before the court and said, you disobeyed, we're going to kill you. And we they literally did this. They took the kid outside. They walked the kid out into the street. They sat the kid. Typical way it would be done is they would dig a hole. They would put the kid in the hole. They would bury the hole up to the chest. Then the elders of the town would come out with rocks with the child buried chest up. And they would stone the kid and kill the kid because they disobeyed mom. So let's don't pretend like it's not real. It, it still goes on today in some cultures. They still murder. They still, they still take their children's life for disobeying. So here's the next thought. God, Leviticus, you must keep all of them and put them into practice or I'm just going to vomit you out. Like you either do it my way or you're nothing more than vomit to me. I don't want to hear your opinions on what you think. I'm so holy, I don't want your opinions. That's kind of how he lays the book, the whole Old Testament lays out. That's why people don't do it. They just die. Here's the thought now. And this may make everybody feel better. Nobody's worthy to be on the boat. Let's don't think that God's just mad at gay people. Nobody gets on the boat. Nobody, me included. Read a few scriptures for you. Yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the law found in scriptures, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, you're committing a sin and you're guilty of breaking the law. Anybody in the room ever favored one friend over another? One hand. Thank you, John. Two hands, three hands, and the hands just keep on coming. You're guilty. If you love a friend more than another or favor somebody, guilty. Next scripture. I love it when we're all guilty. For the person who keeps all of the laws, except one, is as guilty as the person who's broken all of the laws. This just slaps the face of modern Christianity. Because modern Christianity, we weigh those sins out. Well, I mean, I've only committed like one. I did say a bad word once. And occasionally have a, a random thought that's sort of uh, rude. I have never, ever, ever, ever slept with a guy or a girl. I've never. I mean, I just don't do that. I've never, I've never played with a Ouija board. I've never done any of those detestable things. I don't even have a tattoo. I'm still a virgin. But if you break one, you're as guilty as the person who's broken a million. And there's just something weird about the stage. It has a presence of we'll accept a few, but not a lot. You get up on the stage, you probably got your act together. You're not quite as... But here's this. If you break one, everybody's guilty. If you've ever disobeyed... Watch, this hurts. If you've ever disobeyed a parent, you're as guilty as the person who has murdered ten people. In terms of guilt. Logic, Mark, no. Not near as guilty. God's logic, holiness, you're all guilty. Next verse. 
No, not all, for we have already shown that all people, whether Jews or Gentiles, are all under the power of sin. As the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. Nobody's good. Not a single one of you. Here's a great thought. It's going to sting. I hope it helps you. God just loves us all. You're useless. Useless. Start there. Not a single one of you in this room, moi included, is worthy to be loved by God. You are useless, no good, undeserving, get nothing from Him, and deserve nothing but death. That is the mind of God. Break one law, I'll kill you. Break a million, I'll kill you. I'll kill all of you because I'm so holy. So then it says this. Next verse. They only get better. Obviously, the law applies to those whom it was given. Its purpose is to keep you from having an excuse. In other words, the reason God sets all these logical, legal parameters is so everybody in the room comes to the same conclusion. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I need to quit thinking about gay people. I'm guilty. Me. I'm guilty. I'm, I'm hyper-focused on homosexuals and lesbians and LGBTQs and all of the sexual genders. I'm just guilty. i got to start with he's so holy, I'm guilty. That's God for you. He says you won't have any excuse. I want to show the whole world they're guilty. No one can ever be made right with me by doing all of this. It just simply shows you how sinful you all are. Everybody in the room is just as sinful as the most sinful person of sinful people who've ever lived on the sinful planet. We're all guilty. Weed smokers, mess smokers with King James readers. We're all filthy. We're all unapproved. We are all useless and washed up and unworthy. Whether you eat bacon or whether you eat nothing but greens, you are guilty before God. That's how holy He is. Next verse. Somebody got to shout. <laughs> Jesus is the new boat. So now that the law's done, and he, he did the law, and he's already approved, none of you can do it. You're going to get tattoos. You're going to sleep with your sister. You're going to sleep with boys. You're going to disobey and eat shrimp. You're going to do all that. All right, so we did all that to show you that none of you want to do it my way. So let's, let's create a brand new boat now. We've got the real boat called the ark. We crashed it. We've got the boat called the law, and now we've got the new boat, Jesus. Now, what is the issue that transcends between all three boats? Holiness. Different times, different generations, different circumstances, but the same overriding principle, holiness. Holy for this boat, holy for the law, holy for Jesus. Requirements there, build it a certain thing. Requirements here, live all these rules. Is there or is there not a requirement on the new boat? Let's read and see. Here we go. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with Him without keeping the requirements of the law. There goes all the old law, all those Leviticus scriptures. As I was promised in the writing of Moses and the prophets long ago, we're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for how many of us? Everybody. 
everyone, no matter who we are, gay, lesbian, fat, skinny, glutton, greedy, cheating, abusive people, no matter who you are, you've all sinned, but you've fallen short of what? His measurement, His glorious standard. God never lets you off the measurement. He will hold every generation, whether it's a boat, you'll measure the boat. Whether it's the law, I'll measure the law. But once Jesus comes in, know this about Jesus. Just because you go, Jesus loves everybody, it doesn't account that God quits measuring. He still measures because He's still holy. He's just not measuring an art dimension. He's not measuring rules. He's now measuring from a person. And so this is going to bring the next question. Is holiness still required once I'm on the boat with Jesus? Most will say the only thing that matters is just to believe in Jesus. Because the moment you believe in Jesus and He loves you, there's no requirements. Live any way you want. Just love people. Want to sleep with a girl? Sleep with a girl? Just love Jesus. Jesus loves you. You can love Jesus. Want to get a tattoo? Get a tattoo. You want to eat bacon? Eat bacon. Jesus has leveled the playing field, baby. Because that is the argument. The argument, if Jesus came and I can now get tattoos and eat bacon and shave my beard, I should be able to sleep with somebody. That's a great argument. The argument of, if you can get tattoos, then I should be able to sleep with a girl because it's all lumped in the same chapters. So now we just have to ask ourselves, is there a difference in the holiness of a tattoo and the holiness of a male and a female? The only way we would know that is to go all the way back to the first of Genesis before there was homosexuality, before there was lobster, before there was shrimp, before there were beards, and before there were tattoos. Before there was ever a boat built, before there was ever a law given, we've got to go through all, we've got to weed through the tattoos, weed through the shrimp, weed through the sex with your aunt, weed through the sex with one another, weed through all the dirt and the gum, the tattoos and the bacon and the shrimp and the lobsters. We've got to weed through all of it and go all the way back. Is there something that defines the absolute holiness of God before all this became so convoluted. And the thing that transpires from beginning of time through Noah, through the law, to Jesus, and to the present day is the man and the woman. Because before there was anything, the most divine expression of God's holiness was Adam and Eve. It doesn't matter if you like that or not. Nobody was here to question it. Uh, it doesn't, you know, some of those Christian things, it's not Adam and Steve, it's Adam and Eve. I mean, I know how weird we are. We say the weirdest things. But before you ever came, before there was ever an LGBT agenda, before anybody wanted to sleep with somebody of the same sex, God expressed His holiness before He gave a parameter of a boat, before He gave the parameter of the law, and before He sent Jesus as the final parameter the greatest expression of His absolute holiness was when He made something in His own holy image. And it was a male and a female, and they became the greatest expression of God's holiness. This is why 
Cain will kill Abel because the first thing we must do with God's holiness is stop it. I cannot allow the holiness to ride. I've got to pervert the holiness. How do you pervert the holiness? You kill each other. Well, after they keep multiplying, how do you pervert the holiness? You just get in and murder everybody and wars and all the stuff that begins to come. But the thing that transcends the holiness of all times is even in the New Testament, Ephesians 5, verses 21-ish maybe, says this, that it is the husband and wife that is the expression of Jesus' love for the church. That's just how weird that is. A man leaves his father and mother and joins his wife and they're one. Next verse. This is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of Christ. You see, I would love to say, well, once you're at Jesus, you can get any tattoos. And you can. Because that expression is not connected to His most divine holiness. It was an expression in the law. But the one thing that has remained an expression of His absolute holiness from beginning until present is a male and a female. And so I just find it very hard to say that once you come to Jesus, God just suddenly forgets all the don't sleep homosexuality. And I've heard this argument. Jesus never even mentions it. It's true. But Jesus, Hebrews 1, is a direct representation of the Father. He doesn't even have to mention it. The Father has already mentioned it. And, well, He's the exact representation of it. So we find ourselves in 2021... And here's the requirement of holiness. Go all the way to the next to the last scripture in Colossians chapter 3. I want to end with this thought. One more, if you will. Next scripture down. Let's end here. Colossians 3. Don't lie to each other, but strip off your old sinful nature. Put on a new nature. Now here's the answer to it all. Can I be gay and love Jesus? It's no different than saying, can I be greedy and love Jesus? Can I be abusive and love Jesus? Can I disobey my parents and love Jesus? The question we have to define ourselves is, whatever question we ask, can I, has to be balanced with, is it your new nature? Is it like your creator? And are you becoming more like him? So here's the question. I'll end here. I know it's late. I'm sorry. I just saw the time. But here's the thought. People say, can you be born gay? Duh. Sure. Oh, no. It's a choice. It's environmental. Okay, whatever. But you can be born that way. That's why you have to be born again. Because God knew you you might use that. Well, I was born this way. Okay, great. You were born that way. Great. We're proud for you. But you must be born again. So even if you are born gay, you get born again, what do you do? You become like Him. So you're a jerk. When you get born again, you become like Him. So you're a greedy person, but when you get born again, you become like Him. You're an abusive husband, well, when you get born again, you become like Him. The whole reality of Christianity is we're all guilty, we're all sinful, but when we're born again, we become like Him. And my whole life is becoming like Him. So if I walk around and go, well, Jesus just loves me, but I'm still a jerk to my wife, I'm not becoming like Him. And then therefore, if I'm not becoming like Him, am I learning about my Creator? Probably not. And if I'm 
I'm not learning about my creator, I'm not renewed. Probably not. And if I'm not renewed, I'm not put on my new nature. Probably not. And if my new nature is probably not on, I'm probably not even born again anyway, even though in my natural logic, I say, I must be born again because I read my Bible and I go to church and I sing that song. So just follow the logic. If you're becoming like him, then you've known your creator, you've been renewed, your new nature's running. But if you're not becoming like him, you're making excuses, you're using your own logic, you're coming up with your own system of measurement, then you're probably not like him. And that becomes the easiest way we manage it. We don't just pick on a certain group of people who are attracted to the same sex. We look at all of us and ask, are we becoming like Jesus? I hope that helped you. It's the best I can do. <laughs> I hope it gives you something. I hope it gives you something to hold on to. Now, if you're gay, if you're, if you're bi, if you struggle, I, I'm good. You don't freak me out. It's no different than a man saying, man, I really struggle looking at porn. Okay, welcome. Or I struggle, I've slept with a lot of girls. Okay, well, at least you're not gay. Praise God. Right? I mean, that's how weird that is. Listen, if you're here and you struggle and you, you're struggling being bi or pan or whatever all the words we have today, this is a good place to land. Because I love you. It, it doesn't bother me. No different than if you got drunk Saturday night, come on, hang out. I'm going to love you if you're a drunkard. You cheated on your taxes, come on. This is a great place to hang out. Get in with us. We're all messed up on this boat. But I will tell you what I will do as a pastor. I will always lead you to own up to are you making excuses or are you becoming like him? I don't care if you come here and you're messed up, but don't come here and make excuses for it. You can come and go, man, that's me. I've struggled with being gay. Man, help me. And I'll say, absolutely, I will. I will help you. I won't keep you from working with the kids and if you, I struggle being greedy. Come on, I'll help you. Man, I'm getting drunk every Saturday. Good, come on, I'll help you. The goal of this house is not to point fingers at you. The goal of this house is to help you know your Creator so you can become more like Jesus and quit making so many excuses. Because I think when we do that, the, this is my opinion, the world will genuinely see the love of Jesus. Because I think that's the way it's displayed. Stand up with me if you will. Thank you so much for joining us on the Believer's Church YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Believer's Church, you can visit mybelieverschurch.com. If there is anything that you need prayer for, please email us at amen at mybelieverschurch.com. Be sure to check back next week for a brand new message.